over the last few weeks, we've been in a series on praise and worship. And there was a theme that came through our series that was overemphasized over and over. And out of that, I really felt the Lord wanted me to share with you on that. And the theme that we saw over and over while looking at praise and worship was the theme of God's mercy. God is a merciful God. And this morning, I want us to dive into the scriptures because how many of you in this place need God's mercy? Amen. We, we all need His mercy. But in order for us to walk in that mercy, we must understand His mercy. We need to understand where it comes from. We need to understand why God is merciful. And we need to understand how do we tap into that mercy? How do we receive that mercy? Who is it that receives the mercy of God? Thank you for your overwhelming excitement this morning. <laughs> you see, the thing about God's mercy is that before we can understand His mercy, we must understand His nature. Because His mercy flows out of who He is. The Bible teaches us something very important. It's so important that we get a revelation of what I'm about to share. God is love. You see, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We see who God is in Scripture in many different places. Sometimes we see it based on His name. He reveals His nature, His character to us in His names. We see this specifically in the Old Testament when God reveals Himself to the children of Israel in different ways through His names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nessi, and it goes on. But God, before all of that, we, we see God's actual nature. What, what, who is He? Who is God? And actually, when God speaks to Moses, He reveals this to him. He reveals to Moses exactly who He is, that He is love and that He is merciful. But before we understand mercy, we must understand who God is. You see, it's because it's out of God's character, it's out of God's nature that mercy actually flows. He is merciful to us. He shows us mercy because of who He is, because He is a God of love, that's why He shows us mercy. This is, this is the, an easy way to explain this is sometimes when someone does something that you don't like, you don't want to show them mercy because you have no love for them. But God is full of compassion. God is full of mercy. The Bible tells us, Psalm 136, verse number 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now watch this. For He is good. For His mercy endures forever. During our series on praise and worship, this scripture came up several times. And it's important that we examine it a little closer. What I mean by that is don't just read over it. Look at what it's telling us. It's telling us that He is good. You see, why is it that He's good? He's good because He is love. And because of His love, because of His nature, because of His compassion towards us, His mercy endures forever. See, mercy is something that God shows us. We receive His mercy, but before His mercy comes His nature. Because of His love for us, 
He shows us His mercy because of His love, because of His compassion. He shows us His mercy. Let me show you this. Psalm 145, verse number 8. The Lord is gracious. Why? Because He is full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are are over all His works. You see, you must understand that compassion is what flows out of God. That's how He feels towards us. Why? Because He is a loving God. Many people don't understand. They, don't, they, they can't receive from the Lord. They can't receive from Him because they don't know His nature. You see, in order for you to understand what God is like, we look at His names, we look at His nature, but the perfect way to see exactly what God would be like if He was right here in the room is to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the express image of God who came down in the flesh. Jesus was full of love. Jesus was full of compassion. He had compassion on many and He showed mercy to so many while He was on the earth. That's what God is like. Okay. (laughs) So compassion comes because of His love. In Scripture, you will see God show mercy. He gives mercy. You see, mercy is what He does because of His compassion. It's because He is compassionate and loving towards us that He shows us, that He gives us mercy. It's a very powerful, powerful thing. So God's mercy comes to us as a result of His love towards us. You see, mercy is not a fruit of the Spirit. But a fruit of the Spirit is love, patience, kindness. God shows us His nature, His love, His compassion, His kindness. And out of His compassion and love, His his, his kindness towards us flows the fruit of that, which is mercy. It's a product of what He is, of who He is. Are you with me? Unfortunately, we see a problem with man. You see, man's nature is not like that. Right? (laughs) You bad, you. (laughs) Psalm 51 verse number five says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So right from the beginning, we were birthed in a sinful nature. We have a problem. We have a problem. Sin is our problem. We, We have a nature, a sinful nature. Therefore, we need God's mercy to save us. To deliver us. Are you with me? Come on, how many in this room need the mercy of God? In Scripture, we see God's mercy primarily expressed in two different ways. The first way, which most of you know, is it's a form of like forgiveness or withholding punishment from us. In other words, mercy holds back what you do deserve. Wrath, judgment, anger, right? Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. He shows His mercy towards you. He withholds His anger. He withholds punishment. He is merciful towards us. That's the mercy of God. Are you with me? And we'll examine this a little closer because we're going to discuss this primarily this morning. But I need you to also see that God's mercy also provides relief from suffering, 
from distress. God can show you mercy even when you are sick. I'll give you an example. Let's go to Luke 18, verse 35. Luke 18, verse 35. When it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, this is Jesus, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out. What is he crying out for? Mercy. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And something amazing happens. Take a look at this. So Jesus stood still. Jesus is walking with the crowd. And this man, Brian Bartimaeus, is in the distance and he's shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They say to him, listen, be quiet. Son of David, have mercy. Why? Because he's standing in a posture of, of, of humility. He's desperate for God to, to hear him. And what happens to Jesus? The Bible says he stops. Why? Because suddenly there is compassion that comes over him. He responds to the posture of this individual that is crying out to him, that is saying, God, I need your mercy. And the Bible says that he stops. Jesus stops. And commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near him, he asked, saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. What is Jesus doing here? He is showing mercy. He asked for mercy. He received mercy because Jesus took him out of his distress. Jesus brought him healing. Are you with me? You see, not only is it to take you or to hold back judgment or anger, but it is also there so that you can receive being saved so that you can receive being taken out of that distressful situation. Oftentimes when God heals someone, and you can look in scriptures, you can look through the life of Jesus, the Bible will say he had compassion on him and he healed him. Why? Because he's showing mercy. He's showing his mercy towards that individual. Hello? Is there anybody out there this, e this morning, this evening? Listen, guys, the first service was on form this morning. So I'm expecting big things from you. I hold you in a higher level of, you know, two cups of coffee at least by now. You know, we should be like glowing in the dark. Amen. But you will never understand the mercy of God until you understand His nature. He is good. Because of that, His mercy endures forever. Because He is good, because He is loving, His mercy flows towards us. The question is, what do we have to do? Is there something required from us to receive the mercy of God? For God to show us mercy, and I think God shows all of us mercy, but sometimes you'll see individuals that somehow seem to walk in mercy more than others. Sometimes you'll even see someone that you consider you know, he's been backslidden, he's, you know, 
hasn't really done things right. He never serves at church. He never greets. He never helps. He doesn't lead a youth group. I mean, the guy's just like a nominal Christian. And look at the mercy and favor on his life. Why is it that some people will do everything right in our eyes? They'll serve, they'll do, they'll do, they'll do. But it's like things just never change. There's almost no progress in the sense of mercy coming, favor coming, a release from God of breakthrough for those individuals. The Bible tells us what is required for God to show mercy. Watch this. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. You see, when an individual comes to God, regardless of what they've achieved or what they've done, they are able to come to God with a contrite, a humble heart. They'd be able to come to God. The Bible says, listen, He will never turn you away. He will never despise you. Are you with me? A broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will never despise. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near. Watch this. He is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Someone that comes to God and recognizes their dependency on Him, that says, God, out of this situation, their only way that is, that's out of this is totally dependent on you. You see, some people will be serving God so long and doing everything right that they become righteous in themselves. And they think that they are owed something. He owes you nothing. He's already given everything for you. Now watch this. Let me show you from a few stories. The fact is that I can confirm this from multiple stories in Scripture. But I'll share two or three for you this morning. Are you guys all okay this morning? Amen. Luke 15, verse 11, a, a very popular story. I cannot give you the whole story in terms of teach on every detail. I want to show you mercy out of the story. Let's take a look. Luke 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and they wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So in other words, he was with his father. He was doing well. He says to his father, listen, I want to go off and do my own thing. And when he steps away from his father, when he turns from his father and he goes off, he begins to live a bad lifestyle. He begins to make bad choices. He begins to waste what was given to him. He, he lives prodigally, the Bible says. In verse 14, it says, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. In other words, now he began to be in a position where he had nothing left, and he was desperate. Then he went, verse 15, and joined himself to a citizen of that country. 
and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Listen, this is a bad situation now. But something is about to happen. Watch this. But when he came to himself, listen, when you are in a bad situation, God has placed in you the ability to come to your senses. You will be faced with a choice when you are in that dark place, when you are in that place of desperation, you can come to your senses. God has created you with that ability. Can you say amen? When he came to himself, watch this now. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is so powerful, guys, because you must understand his father is a wealthy man. He's gotten to a place where he's lost everything. He could have this attitude. He could say, well, I've lost everything. You know, I am my father's son. You know, I'm pretty sure because of what he's done and who he is, you know, it's just easy. He's paid the price. He's done everything. I can just go back. Man, you guys. So many of us have that attitude when we get to the bottom. You know, well, God's just so gracious, you know. He's done it all. I can just, you know. Our attitude, our spirit, our heart is not broken. Our posture is one of almost self-righteousness. In other words, because He did it, it's owed to me. So I can just go back and receive from my Father because I know that He is good. So many of us live and walk that way as Christians. We think that because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, it is our right to just receive grace, to receive mercy, to receive forgiveness. When the truth is, yes, He's done everything for you. But in order for you to walk, to walk in that mercy, in order for you to receive that mercy, God is looking for a contrite and a broken spirit, for our person that walks in humility. When you see the heart of this father in just a moment, you will know that he probably would have been received anyway. But take a look at what happens because this is to me just so powerful. Just so powerful. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. Now watch this. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. What comes before mercy? Compassion. Why the father sees his son coming, can probably already see the posture of his son and begins to have compassion. His, 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 his heart, who he is as a father, sees his son and he begins to have compassion on his son. And the Bible says, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father runs to the son because he sees his son. Why? Because he is love. So he runs to his son. And listen, his son has been in, in the pig's den, guys. He stinks. 
He's dirty. He probably, who knows what clothing he had left. And if he did have clothing on, it was disgusting. But his father didn't even look at the state that he was in. He sees him. Because, why? Because his father loves his son. You must understand, this is an example of exactly how God feels about us. But one thing is required from you. Watch this now. So now the father has fallen on his son, kissed him, and he's just, he's busy with his son. They're having this amazing moment. And the son, verse 21, said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. The same posture that he had before he went home, he now has in the presence of his father. So he comes to his father with great humility, with a broken and contrite spirit. Do you see it, guys? And he says, listen, I just, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hands and sandals on his feet. You must understand, he doesn't say, listen, take him and put him in a trough and wash him because he's filthy. He says, bring the best robe. Take the best robe and put it on my son. Take the ring and put it on his finger. Take his sandals and put new sandals on his feet. This is my son. This is my son. Why? Because he had a contrite and a broken spirit when he approached his father. He says, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. I want you to know that you can walk through this life and you can be dead. You can be dead. The only time your eyes are opened is when you come to him. He says, my son was dead. He says, but now is alive. Watch this. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Isn't it beautiful, guys? But this is where the story really gets interesting. Now watch this because it's so powerful. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. So the son that was faithful, that was working in the fields and doing everything he was supposed to do, hears the son's come back, wants to know what's going on. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. The fatted calf? The best calf? Now watch. But he was angry and would not go in. Look at the father here. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. In other words, you never showed me any favor. You never showed me any mercy. Why? Why didn't he get it? He says that I might make merry with my friends. The reason why is because he thinks that it's owed to him. He thinks he deserves it. He thinks because of all that he did, you must understand mercy will not come to you because of your deeds or your works. 
mercy comes to you because of your spirit, because of your attitude, because of your heart when you come before God. Mercy is poured out. Mercy is shown to those who show mercy. Mercy is shown to those who have a humble and contrite spirit. Listen, look at what he does. It's so powerful. Man, it's just so powerful. Look at what he does. The Bible says, he says, he says, yeah, he says, but as soon as this son of yours came, who was devoured, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And it just sounds like us Christians. This is exactly how we are. He doesn't deserve mercy. Do you know what? I saw him in the bar last week. But here he is with a broken and contrite spirit. And the Bible says that God will not despise those who come before him and say, God, I've realized my life is in a mess. God, I realize I can't do this without you. He's gotten to a place where he's fully aware of the fact that the only solution to that sin nature, to that problem that he has, is the mercy of God. Amen. Watch this now. In the New Testament, Jesus shares another story that's just so powerful. It basically gives us the same example. Luke 18, verse 10. Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. In other words, the Pharisee is praying and this is what he's saying to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. In other words, listen, he's looking at this other individual saying, listen, everything I do, God, I do well. I pay my tithes. You better pay, you better, I pay my tithes. I, I, I do everything right. I, I pray, I fast. God, look at me. Thank God I'm not like that guy. Now watch. Watch this. And the tax collector that he was pointing at, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now watch. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The one had a broken and contrite spirit. The other was full of self-righteousness. When you walk in self-righteousness, regardless of how good you are, listen, when, when in, in, the, in the parable of the, of, the, of the lost son, his father still says to him, listen, son, you know, all that I have is yours. You know, you're getting upset, but all that I have is yours. You've been faithful. All that I have is yours. But your spirit, your attitude stinks. You think that you deserve all of this. We don't deserve anything, guys. We don't recognize what Jesus has done for us. We don't fully comprehend it. We have cheapened grace. We have cheapened it. 
when the price that was paid, we say, oh, grace is free. What are you talking about? Do you not realize the cost that it took to give you that grace? What makes you righteous is not your righteousness. What makes you righteous is what He did for you. You see, you can do everything right, but your heart is far from Him. And we could preach a whole sermon right there. In the Bible, we see an incredible example when we look at the life of Saul and David. And right now, forgive me, but I'm consumed by the life of David. God has just got me there in that place. I just, I can't stop reading about him, studying him, watching him. Just, I just love it. But when you look at Saul, when God comes to Saul through the prophet Samuel and says to him, listen, I want you to fully wipe out the Amalekites. Saul does not listen. He spares the king and gives favor to the people by allowing them to take some of the animals and some of the loot. And it was not what God commanded. He said, I want you to utterly wipe them out. He did not listen. And the reason we didn't listen according to Scripture is because he was more concerned about the favor of men, impressing men. But what's really powerful to me about it, I actually read this last night, is that while Saul is being confronted by Samuel, his heart, he, he says, oh, I've sinned against the Lord. Samuel, let me and you go and make some sacrifices. There's no broken spirit. There's no contrite heart. And that's why the Bible says that the Lord will reject you. Because you think that it's just so simple. You've missed out. You don't understand the grace of God. You don't understand the mercy of God. Yet David's sin seems so much greater and probably is even. But the heart of David is different to the heart of Saul. Take a look at what happens with David. Let's read this. It's just so powerful. We have to read it. Psalm 51. Now in the Bible, there's a reference. I want to read this to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. The sin was adultery and the sin was murder. Bad. Doesn't get worse. And David had allowed his life to spiral to this point where he committed what he, what he probably thought he would never ever be able to do. But when he's confronted, the way he responds is just so powerful that God could not turn away from him. Watch this. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize, watch this, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. When Saul, Saul was like, I did what you asked. I'm doing what you want. Let's just quickly go. I'm sorry, God. David's saying, Lord, you are right to want to punish me. My rebellion is, is disgusting. My rebellion, I recognize it. Lord, I see it haunts me day and night because of how I am. Are you with me? He recognizes it. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. For your judgment against me is just. For I was born in sin. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. 
Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a loyal, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. When David was crying out to God like this, according to Scripture, God could not despise him. You see, when David was anointed king, the Bible says this, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. David was at a point where he recognized that because of what he had done, the presence, the Spirit of God might depart from him like it did Saul. And he recognized that the only hope for him as a human being and everything that he has achieved is only because of one thing, and that is the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my Spirit. You see, walking in, 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 in seeking mercy is not necessarily only for when you sin. I want mercy in my business. I want mercy in the church. I want mercy in my family. I want to see the mercy of God pour out towards me always. So does that mean that I have to be in a sinful state? No, but I can remain in a posture where I recognize that everything I've achieved, everything I do is because of His mercy, is because of His grace, is because of His goodness. Amen. If you're still not convinced, there are so many stories, but let me give you one more that I think is so powerful. So many people know the story of Jonah. And most of the time when we read the story of Jonah, the theme is running away from your destiny or running away from the call of God on your life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, sorry to disappoint you, that's not why Jonah ran away from Nineveh. You see, God told him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh because I want you to prophesy that I'm going to judge them. The problem is that Jonah knew God and he was concerned that God would do something. I don't want to spoil it. I have to read it to you. So he gets on a ship to go in the opposite direction. We know the story. The sea gets all rough and wild and Jonah's in the bottom of the boat and he knows that the only way to save them is if he needs to be thrown into the ocean. So they throw him in the ocean, and this really big fish comes and swallows him. Out of the belly of that fish, he cries out to God for mercy. God shows him mercy, and the fish vomits him on the beach. While he's on the beach, the Lord comes to him again. Watch this. Jonah 3, verse 3. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. A city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap and sh to show their sorrow. Now watch this. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, 
took off his royal robes and dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent a decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. The people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, perhaps even yet, God will change His mind and hold back His fierce anger from destroying us. Let's stop there. Everybody look at me for just a moment. I want you to see, when the word of the Lord comes to the king of Nineveh, the Bible says he takes off his royal robes. He takes off his self-righteousness. He takes off all, he didn't go, oh God, you know, you're so evil, you're so bad, you know, look at you, you want to judge and look how you are. I knew this is how you are. He didn't do that. He humbled himself. He took off his royalty. He, he went and made himself the least. He said, listen, everybody in the city, we are all going to humble ourselves because perhaps, perhaps he will change his mind. Now watch this. Watch this now. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to this, their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Because God is a God of love and does not despise those who have a broken and contrite spirit, he had compassion and showed mercy. Now watch this. Watch this. Man, this is so good. Somebody better shout at the end of it, please. Okay? Otherwise, I'll have to shout all by myself. Watch this. Jonah 4 verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Watch. Did I not say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying the people. Jonah knew before he went to Nineveh, that's why he went the other direction. He knew that if they cry out to God for mercy, God will have mercy and the people will think he's a false prophet. Why did he know this about God? Because he knew Him. He knew His nature. He knew that God would relent if people cry out with a contrite and a broken spirit that, they, that He will have mercy and compassion. Watch this. Verse 3, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predict will not happen. You thought he was running away from his destiny. He was running away because he didn't want people to think he was a false prophet. Because he knew that God is a merciful God. Why is he merciful? Because he is love. But if you want to be on the receiving end of that mercy, don't come and boast about what you have built and what you have achieved and what you have done. Come to Him with a broken and contrite spirit. Being broken and contrite 
is not self-condemnation. I want to say that again. Being broken and contrite is not self-condemnation. Being broken and contrite is a posture of total dependency on God. When you have come to a place that you recognize that it is not by might, that it is not by power, but it is by His Spirit that you have gotten this far, that you have made it this far, that you're still alive, that His mercy is still available to you. It is not because of what you have done. It is because of who He is. Now somebody get up on your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Oh, we give you praise, God. Oh, we give you praise. There is none like you, God. There is none like you, Lord, in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every one of us has come to this place at a different place, a point in our lives and our walks with God. But I can assure you there's not one in this place that doesn't need His mercy. And the truth is we need it on a daily basis. If you're sitting out there this morning and you say, Lord, I need your mercy. You can stand. That's okay. (laughs) It's beautiful. I need your mercy. You recognize your dependency on him. You recognize, you can see his hand in your life. And maybe if you can't, it's time to change your perspective. You see, Saul could easily have said, it's your fault, God. And he did. David could have done exactly the same, but he didn't. He said, Lord, it's totally my fault. I recognize my dependency on you. It's a broken and a contrite spirit that he will not despise. He will show his mercy and compassion to each and every one of us in this room. And let me tell you, we all need it. I'm not going to call anyone to the front. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but can we all stand for just a moment? You have a choice. If we humble ourselves, the Bible says if we humble ourselves and pray, He will hear from heaven, that He will answer our prayers, that He will heal our land. That's what God promises in His Word for those who humble, even nations can humble themselves before God, can have a broken spirit and God can bring healing even to a nation when they have the right spirit, the right attitude. If you're standing here, sitting here, whatever it is you're doing, and this is you this evening, just this morning, just surrender to Him. Let's just surrender our hearts to Him this morning. I wanna give you an opportunity this morning to come before Him. You have a choice, I can't do it for you. How will you approach Him this morning? How will you come before Him with your needs, with what's going on in your life? How will you approach Him? I'm challenging you to come with a broken and contrite spirit. To come and say, God, I need you. I need you in everything, Lord. I need you in everything. Let's sing that song. Let's sing, I surrender. I surrender to you this morning, Jesus. Just surrender to Him.
Just the instruments. Just receive his mercy this morning. Father, you are our God that is full of compassion. Your mercy endures forever. I pray, God, that you would touch lives this morning in this place. Lord, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would cause people to come to a place, God, we are fully and totally dependent on you. Yes, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. We honor you in this place. We worship you in this place. That's right. Let's give the Lord a big shout this morning. Come on, let's give him thanks this morning. Let's give him praise this morning. Let's exalt his name this morning in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We are so grateful, Lord. And this morning we approach you in unity, God, in one accord as a church. We come before you, Lord, in total recognition that our help comes from the Lord and from nobody else. You are our protector, you are our provider. There is truly none like you, God. We thank you. We praise and worship you in this place. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this morning. Go in his favor and his mercy be on you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.